that said, let's go ahead and turn to Romans chapter 8. And today we're going to be focusing again on verse 29. I'll start reading at verse 26. Romans chapter 8. Starting at verse 26. And our focus of verse today is verse 29. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he searches, and he who searches the heart know what is the mind of the spirit because the spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. In order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Let me pray for us and ask the Lord to help us this morning. Let's bow our hands. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to the time of worship. Lord, we hear your word preach. So, Lord, we ask you to go before us. Open our hearts, Lord, to hear your word. Humble our hearts this morning. If our hearts, Lord, are distracted, Lord, by the various things in this world, Lord, we ask you, Lord, to bring our hearts down to sit up under your word. As I preach your word, let me sit and hear your word as well. Let this word be preached to my soul as I preach it to your people as well. Give us your word today. We need it, Lord. We are struggling people, but we are people, Lord, that deals with hard things. We are people, Lord, that have been despised by others, people that have been mocked by others. Lord, even our own hearts, Lord, have went to other things to try to find satisfaction. So, Lord... We are a people that need your word this morning. So, Lord, we ask you to give it to us. Give your needy people your word so we can walk in it and hold it. So help us this morning. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, one of the things a car needs this time of the year, or any time of the year, it's some good tires. A car needs tires, right? A car doesn't have tires, you wanna drive on rims? You're gonna see a lot of, probably a fire, you probably see a lot of um, a smoke, and a lot of other things come up. A car is not made to be driving on rims. A car is made to be dri driven with Tires. Tires are needed for the car. Well, if you guys notice outside the basketball goals are laying down on the ground. If you notice what's been holding the goal up is, is a tire. Well, I thought a tire can hold this goal up and the goal would never fall down. The use it for a tire to hold a basketball goal up. It worked for a while. But now we see when the wind came, the tire and the goals are on the ground. 
Some people might have been driving by. And they might have thought about, now let me go to Walmart before they seen the gold on the ground. Let me go to Walmart and let me go find a tire. Let me go buy a $150 tire just to put around a basketball goal. What would that sound like? People all around town are going to buy a $150 tire just to put around a basketball goal. Doesn't make sense. A tire is used for, for particularly a tire is used for cars to be driven. Well, you might be saying, Chris, what you're getting at right here. Well, in our test today, we have heard so many people debating about foreknowledge or foreknew or predestination. Talking about Calvinism and how God predestined us, how God chose us. We have talked about these things in debates. I think it's good that a tire, right, can hold a gold up. But the main purpose for a tire is to be used to drive a car. And I would say the main purpose of to know about predestination is for the struggling believers knowing that God has already destined their lives to conform to the image of the Son. Many people that have a lot of debates about predestination, a lot of them just want to debate and argue. A lot of them just want to say, hey, this is what I know in my head now. This is the things I just know. Or these are things where it sound good. This is better than what you believe in. It's not bad to defend the faith and talk about predestination. It's not bad, but the, the ultimate purpose to know about predestination is for struggling people that are struggling with sin. Struggling believers that are struggling with sin. Struggling with identity. What will people think of them? Struggling with this image of I'm a believer in Christ, but, but nobody cares about me. I'm a believer in Christ, but I still struggle with lust of pornography. Like, like I'm a believer in Christ, but I still struggle with pride. The perfect doctrine for you today is to hear about predestination. So I pray that today that we can see the benefits of a tire holding the gold up. But we only using predestination for just to be able to have an argument and debate people. What is going to create in us? Just like that gold fell down, right? Because a tire was there, it fell down. It wasn't the proper thing to hold it up. In the same way, if we're using predestination only to try to win debates, what's going to happen? We're going to fall down in pride. It's going to create pride in us. The only time we're reaching God's word, just to bear to debate people. If that's you or myself or anyone else, we have misused what predestination is doing. Now, predestination now, it, it is good to be able to share that this is truth in God's word and these other things are truth and um, God's word is this. But the ultimate purpose for this is to root us as believers that are struggling that God has destined our lives for his glory. So if you don't believe me this morning, um, I, I pray after we finish this message this morning, I pray that the word of God convince you that this is what it's saying. And, and I pray that from now on for the rest of your lives, I don't have any tattoos and everything, but for the rest of your lives, 
you put this word predestination or predestined so close to you and you grab onto it knowing that this is good for the life of the believer. That no matter what we may face, that our lives are already set on a path for God to make us like Jesus. Somebody would say this right here. I'm going to go ahead and jump in the chest here in just a second. Somebody said this. And I might read it in the quote a little bit later. They said, because of predestination and the goal of God conforming to the image of his son, Jesus, when Satan see us, our love is so much like Jesus that Satan don't know the difference between us and Jesus. Of course, we're not Jesus, right? He's the glory, you know, he's God. But our lives are so conformed now because of predestination, because he foreknew us that now our lives are so set up in a way that he see the moral character, they see the, the, the worship spirit in us, the seeing of following after Jesus, that we look so much like him. That's what predestination does. It gets us to the place that we can look back and forth is that Jesus? Is that Jesus? Is that Jesus? Is that Jesus? Because we look so much like Jesus with our lives. And so I pray that predestination is encouraging to you, or predestined is encouraging to you, knowing that this is what God is going to use to make Nikasha and Zoe be like Jesus. Let's jump right into it. We're going to do it in three points today. God predestined us despite our brokenness. God predestined his love despite our brokenness. The reason why God predestined his love despite our brokenness in point number three. And, and I got 29A, it should be 29B in all these verses. But let's jump to point number one. God predestined us despite our brokenness. He also predestined. We learned earlier in this verse that Paul is focusing on those or the ones. These or the ones have been described as the one that are saying wretched man or, or woman that I am. Also, they've been, been, been told that they would not be condemned. These are the ones he's referring to. We talked about last week the word those is not in the Greek. Those is a translation right there. It's actually the it's just an article there. You know, the article A, N, and B. That's what's really there. It's for A, for the. So we know for the ones. We explained it in English for the ones. The, the ones that have been wretched in the past, like, I ain't say wretched, I ain't talking about boosting. The one that has been wretched. It talks about in chapter uh, 7, the end of chapter 7, Paul said, wretched man that I am, who can save me from this? The, the one that would not be condemned, these are the ones he's talking to. So going back to verse 28, when it said, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. Again, we use that verse in everything before a football game, basketball game. We use that verse for all the different things in our lives. But this verse right here in verse 28, all things work to good for believers. Talk about believers. 
to my believers that all things are going to work to good for, the, for our good. All things are going to work. Um, we love God. All things work together for good. So all things are going to work to conform to the image of the Son. We're talking about believers here. The skin, the ones that have not been condemned, the ones that have life and peace, the ones that have been adopted, the ones that have the Holy Spirit in them, the one that would be glorified. This is the verse we're talking about here. These are the ones the scripture is referring to. So these are the people, you, me. For those that are believers here, it's you, it's us. The scripture is talking about here. So the words of the encouragement of the Romans in the, in the, 20, uh, in, in, in the first century, it's also encouraging to the believers here in the 21st century. Last week we learned about the Lord on the last Lord's Day. We learned about how he renewed his believers. The Lord has loved us from eternity past. One person says this, when God renewed a person, he set his love upon him. Our Lord's choice of men and women for salvation is based on his decision to set his love upon them, not his knowledge of what they will do. God didn't look down all the way down the history. Okay, Christian's going to do this. Dad's ain't going to do this. Uh, Jordan's going to do this, so I'm going to save them. I'm going to save them because they're going to love me in the future. That wasn't what God did. God loved us despite our shortcomings. He loved us. He says about it in Romans 5, 8, how God showed his love towards us, yet while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So this foreknowledge deals with that not that God looked down and in the future, okay, these people are going to do good. God has already bestowed his love on his people before we was even born. God has loved you before you was even born. Before your parents even knew they was going to have kids, God already knew you. When I say knew you, God has already had an intimate affection towards you. So believe in this room, remember this, there's never been a time that God didn't love you. There's never been a time that God didn't love you. God loved you. We are loved far beyond we can imagine. Many a time when Christians fought into sin, their hearts start to describe themselves as lonely and, and not loved. When they fall into sin, they start to get all these types of thoughts in their head that's not true. They start to believe a doctrine that's not even in the Bible. They start to describe these things that God has left me. God is putting this on me. God is doing this. They start to believe all these false things that are not even biblical when things doesn't go their way. God affection and his love for us is consistent and it doesn't at all depreciate. It's like when you buy a car at the car or parking lot. They said it depreciates thousands of dollars. You haven't even got two miles down the road. Once you buy the car and drive it down the road, it's already thousands of thousands of dollars already locked off the, off the car. But God love is not like that. When God bestows his love on you, his love gets sweeter and sweeter and sweeter.
again, his first point with minds is that God loved towards his people. It's his believers. These are the ones here. It's not given to everyone right here. This foreknowing and predestined is not given to everyone. It's only given to those that God has loved. And many might say, well, that's not fair. God should love everybody and save everybody. But we've got to see what's fair. What's fair in this is that God punished all of us for our sin and nobody get heaven. Well, what would be fair if God is so holy and God is so holy and so righteous, sin can't be in his presence. If, if, God, if, God, is, if, if God really hold on to his justice, right, we all deserve punishment in this room. You can't say it's not fair. I always get us an example. If you own your own business and you put somebody in place as a manager of your business, and you tell your manager at the end of the day, you take the money and you put it in the bank. Well, the manager say, well, every day I'm going to take the money, I'm going to put it in my bank account. I'm going to put it in my bank account. And the owner comes in and says, well, look at the owner of the bank account and no money for the company, for the business, no money is in here. And the manager say, well, I put the money in my account, in my account. The owner comes in and say, well, I'm going to fire you. I'm going to let you go. And the person, you can't let me go. This is my money. The owner looking like, what in the world are you talking about? This is my business. How can you tell me how to deal with my money? This person right here now, that's placed as a manager, they're acting in a way like they're the owner. But the owner is the one that owns the business. The owner gets to decide the terms and regulation of the business. And the owner said, I'm going to let you go. This person can't question that. This is what the owner put in place. So the owner has the right to let go someone that have broke the rules of the business. Well, in the bigger scheme, God is the one that created the whole world. This is his world. He put it together. This is God's world. And God said, this is what I want out of my world. Who can question that? But what we came into this world... We came in as that manager and said, no, God, we want it our way. We want this world to be about us. We didn't keep his commandment. We said, God, you get out of here, and we're going to do things our way. Now it becomes rebellion and friction and tension now. And so now God is at war now again with the managers. The one that's supposed to have dominion, now they're saying now we have dominion over the world. Also, we have dominion over you. So what did God do? God has to defend his name and destroy those that goes against him. So we say fair. What's truly fair in this? What's truly fair is that God punish all of us. But God in his goodness and his mercy. The father said, well, I'm going to set some over here. I'm going to set some over here and I'm going to show my love towards them and I'm going to die for them. And for them to walk in my ways, I'm going to do this for them to know me. I'm going to give them my grace. I'm going to do this for them to honor and glorify me in a way that they didn't do it in the past. But now they would do it because now I'm going to put my truth in them. In them. So for all of us look around now and we say that, well, God, you are a merciful God. You didn't have to choose any of us. But you did. And for those that God had chosen, 
that God, that God has love. This is what these verses are talking about. It's encouraging you that if God has set you apart for himself, he would not stop loving you. Now, who are those people? We, we know they are you and me and all of us in here that are believers in this room. But in the world, we don't know everybody. So we go take the gospel to the world. But it's going to be some out there that's going to know Jesus is going to turn from their sins. They're going to put their faith in him and they're going to be a part of a church. So there's many more just like us in the world. We don't know who they are. So we share the gospel with everybody. We don't know who they are. We share the gospel with everybody that we see. But we know that for those that are true believers, family, this is who he's referring to in our text. But let me find, define the word predestined or predestination. The Greek word, one person said, word actually used by the apostle, the compound word, the word pro mean beforehand. The rest of the word mean harazo, haraza. And precisely, precisely the word from which our word in English comes, horizon. Horizon. So this person talks about this horizon, right? What is the horizon? Horizon is that point where the earth and the sky meets. You look far over, you can see the horizon like a line. You look miles and miles, you can see the horizon. When the earth and actually the sky meets. This horizon sets a boundary. This is earth and this is the skies. And this is what predestination gets at. It is set in its preordained boundaries or predetermined boundaries. Many may ask, like, what does that mean, setting boundaries? God has put those who are wretched, that believe in him, that will not be condemned. He has put them in preordained boundaries. One person goes on to say this. All we are told about this term is that these people whom God has foreknown, he has set, he has also set apart for the ultimate destiny he has in his mind for them. He has put a ring around them, and at the same time, he has put a ring around what is going to happen to them. Just like the earth has its limitations, right? It's a point when the earth and the sky meets. Right? The earth can't go into the sky, or it has a place where the earth meets. Certain boundaries of how the earth cannot go any farther. Well, God, in a similar way, has put these preordained boundaries around his people. That, that, that his people are destined to stay within these boundaries to make it to the destiny. We're going to talk more about this in our last point. But, but this predestination assures us that our flesh does not give us a new destiny. Which are new idols. It doesn't set new boundaries for us to, to, to go another way, but it keeps us in the boundary that God has set us for us to go the way God has set before us. This is God doing. God is setting us on path for us to be like Jesus. He has set the boundary for us. That our struggle with the flesh does not take us away from the promise of God's boundaries. 
Even though we try to run out of the boundaries, run this way out of the boundaries, our struggles in life does not erase the boundary that God has set before us. No matter what you may be going through, God has put us in place to make it to this destiny. And it will be nothing that stops us from this destiny, not even our own flesh. This is encouraging. Even how much our flesh want to run to things outside of God, if God has set these boundaries before us, we can't even do it. The song we just sung again. The song we just sung. When I feel like my faith is will fail, Christ will hold me fast. When the tempter will prevail, Christ will hold me fast. You see here, we're just not singing words. I mean, these words must mean something to us as we sing them. Like, this is what it means right here. The boundary that God has set before his people, Christ will truly hold us fast. Christ will truly keep us in these boundaries no matter when we feel like our faith may fail. The good thing about it, though, is that your ups and downs, struggles in life, when you're fearful in life, that doesn't determine your destination. How you feel doesn't determine the destination. It's not about based on how you feel. It's about what God's word says. And God's word says here, though, is that no matter what, God has also predestined us. God has put us in these boundaries for us to stay on course, to receive the purpose he has for us. Many people that disagree with this word predestined, they have a hard time accepting this term. And, and the main struggle for them to accept this word predestined is because of self-autonomy. That they want in control of their lives. I don't want predestination because I want to determine how my life should be. So all unbelievers want control over their own lives. They want control over themselves. They want things to go exactly how they want things to go. So for them to ask the question is, how, God, how dare God control my life? But for as believers, their struggle with this term, they're not like unbelievers and, and just in a way of disregarding who God is and what God has done. But for them, they live in this type of sense of discontentment with this word predestined. So we got one side of this as unbelievers, they wanted things them, them, their way, and they don't want to submit to God. And they struggle with God saying the word for predestination that God set things in place. For them, they don't want to accept it because they want their life to be the, be, be the way that they designed for themselves. Now, for a believer that struggle with this word, they struggle to like a child, right? A child will have a toy. And they want to play with that toy all day and all night. But it's time to go to bed. And the parent would say, it's time to go to bed. They know I want the toy now. They want things their way. Then the next morning, they might be sleeping for school. So a lot of time, even for believers, a lot of time, we want things our way in life. 
if we don't have our marriage looking the way we want it to look, if singleness is not looking the way we want it to look, if our finances and things are not looking the way we want it to look, a lot of times what we do, though, is that we put things in our own hands. We don't trust what the boundaries that God has put before us, and we go ahead and set new boundaries and try to turn to other things to meet the desires of our flesh. Think about things in your life right now. You, you know you have in your life that you might be dealing with. You know that's not right. A lot of times you are rejecting this word predestined because now you want things to go like this. Even though God has it as word for it to go like this. So this can be a predestination or predestined can be a struggle within believer and unbeliever. The Lord predestined for us to get within his boundaries so we can be guaranteed this destiny. In the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve was kept outside the physical boundary that pointed to a better boundary to come. Adam and Eve was in the Garden of Eden. They were set in this beautiful place for them to honor God. There's a certain boundary that God has set in this beautiful garden. But for them, they were kept out of that boundary walking with the Lord. God was already set in place a new boundary for fallen people would never get kicked out of again. The garden became corrupt. The world became corrupt. But God set a new boundary for his people. They love that will be a part of his purposes. So let's jump into the second point here. God predestined his love despite our brokenness. He also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be firstborn among many brothers. We just learned about predestination, but now we will discuss the nature of this doctrine. Many have again used predestination like the word foreknowledge in relating to theological debates. Many question this doctrine because they think it made God a robot. That God already established things, so I don't have to say, have to, I don't have to worry about things in life. I don't have to live for anybody. I don't have to do things because God has already set things in place. This approach negates total depravity. But they all have sinned for short of the glory of God. How can a bad thing choose anything good outside of Christ? If God gave us to ourselves, we would never run to him, but run to idols but God has goodness God is not a robot in a way of or in a way of like I mean we're not a robot in a way of God is doing this doing this God has given us human freedoms as well but what's our freedom look like for us our freedom is look like running away from the Lord we're running to the things of this world but God in his goodness he set us in place and gave us a new heart to run after him. And God gave us this foreknowledge last week to remind us of this assurance that we have. He loves us. But now he gives us predestination to root us in assurance as well. God has loved us before the foundation of the world with an intimate affection towards his people. But not only that, God has now planned beforehand how our lives will be set to accomplish the goal he has set for us as believers. 
again, this means just what it appears to mean in English. One person says this, to predestine means to set a destination for ourselves or someone else. It means to make a plan ahead of time. Then it goes on to say, in the Greek word, horizon, what I told you, meaning to determine horizon, set out, set out for it. God, because of his love for us, has set a destination for us to be with him in glory, conform to the likeness of Christ. Another person said this, the other word, predestination, is, is his appointing them to come to glory by the way of his of faith and holiness, for the destined is to appoint. Or order means to a certain end, and to predestinate is to appoint aforehand. Again, this definition of predestined is that God has planned beforehand to give us these boundaries, to set us on a path for us to eventually be glorified. Be glorified. This is eternal love for us. His foreknowledge, is us, his foreknowledge is given to us how he loves us. Now he shows us his love and the benefits of his knowing and loving us by setting boundaries around us and keeping us. This is again of God's love. When Christ died for us, he guaranteed that nothing would take us, another, uh, take us away from him. How did he do this? By him predestined us. Your failures and your shortcomings cannot separate us from God. But your failures and shortcoming are there, but God still keeps us in his boundaries for us to be glorified. For new and predestination, the work of God before sinners came into the world. It was a work of God before the foundation of the world that shattered any form of pride that we boast in ourselves, but encourages us to submit to Christ and his accomplishment and not ours. That Christ has put us in place of boundaries letting us know that Christ would take us home, that Christ would keep us despite what we might go through. So every time we almost use the word predestined, listen to how this word is used. Think about Ephesians 1, 4 to 5. Sister Kathy called me this morning, encouraged me on this verse. Thank you, Miss Kathy, for calling me. Even as he chose us in, in, in him before the foundation of the world, when did he choose us? Before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. This verse right here in Ephesians 1 lets us know before the foundation of the world, he predestined us. He, he loved us. He set us apart. He has adopted us. God set us apart and adopted us. This was not a last-minute decision, but a decision before the foundation of the world. That he had already destined us and adopted us despite what we are facing right now. That God has already set this in place before we was even born. So our adoption is not based upon our works. Our adoption is not based upon how many times you came to church. How many times you read your Bible. Our adoption in, in, in Christ is based upon what Christ has done. So we see here in Ephesians 4 5, the predestined lets us know that God has already put us in boundaries for us to be a part of a family that we would never be ashamed of, that we would never be kicked out of, 
this family that God is going to make go and prepare a place for us, which is heaven. Another time we see this word predestined is in Ephesians 1 11. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who worked all things according to the counsel of his will. God's love can be seen in how he predestined us according to his will. What is God's will? For God to get the glory. For God to be magnitude, to be glorified. So God has already put us in boundaries for us to go do just that. So why your life looks so different than others? Why are you working in a certain field? Or why are you why are you married to a certain person? Or why are you are single? Well, all of these things in your life right now is part of what God has put these certain boundaries in your life to make you more like Him. We'll talk more about this in the last point. First Corinthians two seven, where we impart a secret hidden wisdom of God, with God decreed before the ages. For, uh, for our glory. That God's love through predestination gives us wisdom that comes from above. The word decree gets the word predestination in 1 Corinthians 2 7. We started to in Paul in Acts 4 27 29. For truly in this city that were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servant to continue to speak your word with all boldness. God's love through predestination gives us boldness to proclaim the faith. That we aren't afraid of what may happen to us, knowing that God will secure us. If we know that the word predestined always relates to the believer. It always relates to encouraging the believer. It's in the midst of trials, in the midst of reminding who we are and our identity. It encourages us. Every time we see presentation, it reveals the Lord is setting it down before us. Point number three, my last point. Brother Khalil is starting to blink. My last point. The reason why God predestined us or predestined his love despite our brokenness. He also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. We learn about the definition of predestination. We learn about how God predestined us by his love regardless of our shortcomings, how God has loved us within predestination. Now we end with the whole purpose of this, the entire purpose of this. We learn that if God doesn't predestine us, that we will live in a world with no boundaries. Again, after the first two points, we can come to conclude. If God doesn't predestine us, that we will live in a world with no boundaries. And our hearts will be gone everywhere, going everything. We will go far away from the Lord because our idols of our hearts. It's going to take us there. No predestined, no boundaries. How far 
we can go and depending on self is unlimited. But now we learn the ultimate reason for predestination. Why did God predestine our lives? Why do God set our lives the way it is? Why? Jordan is married to Nikesha. Ja'Kayla and Zoe. Ja'Kayla and Jerry. Franklin's and the Joneses. For those that are single, why? Your life in this season. Well, why you are? Why are all these things around you? Why do you work the job you work? Why did your tire get on flat last week? All these questions you might be asking, why, 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 why? Why all these things happen? I hope I can help you understand why. Let's go back to verse 29. Put your finger on conform. Put your finger on the word conform in Romans 8, 29. Put your finger on conform. It's to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. God is conforming us to be like him. This word conform can be defined as one person says similar in form, pertaining to be being conformed or to being like something. It's two words, the compound word, the word son in Greek and morphe, right? And these two words right here can be put together. The word son means mean in the, or sin in, in Greek means similar or like. You get the English word, we get synonym, right? We get word like uh, um, um, another word with S-I-N. I'm going to blank for a second. But it gets to something that's very similar or like. Morphe means something that's shape, a form. You get the word in English like you morph into something. So morph or means, or morphe means shape or form. Sin means, or soon means, similar. You put this word right here together, it's like the word we can come out to put them up, put like shape to similar form, or form, similar form. So the purpose of predestination is the word, is the word conform, it gets us this word, conform gets said to be conform, similar or be conformed like. The purpose of predestination is for God to shape us to be in similar form. Shape us to be in similar form. Many things we can be shaped into similar form. It's not talking about for us to have hair like Jesus. It's not talking about, it's not somebody being similar form like Jesus, having eyes like Jesus, or nose like Jesus. Have a height like Jesus. It's not saying we need to eat the same thing Jesus eat. It said to the image of his son. The father is shaping us to be similar to the image of his son. His son is Christ. We can't physically look like him. But we can look like him spiritually and morally. So the ultimate purpose of predestination is for us to be like Jesus, to be similar to Jesus spiritually and morally. So God guarantees that we will look like Jesus by predestining us. 
This is not a possibility, but it's the guarantee that God is predestined to put boundaries around us for us to look like Jesus, to us to be conformed to Jesus. I say this again. One person says this. He has selected them. He has decided that they are ultimately to be brought to that goal, to that final position. All that this term tells us is the goal which God has marked out for us. He has mapped it out, has circumcised it, has put a horizon around it. It is only these particular people who are ever found in that circle. The really difficult word is not predestined, but for new. Predestination is simply a description of the destiny that God had determined, decided upon for the people whom he has foreknown. God has put a circle around us. God has put boundaries around us. For God to make us more like Jesus. And the person that you marry is the perfect person that you need in your life to make you like Jesus. A person that you disagree with 99% of the time. A person that a person that, that may not give you what you want. That's the perfect marriage that we need as Christians because marriage shows us things in our lives that we don't want to see. Marriage shows us how patient we need to be. How long-suffering we need to be for years and years and years and years and years. Marriage is not all about, I love you and you love me. Doubly, doubly, having kids. Now, having kids is not the whole, it's not the most important picture of it. It's a benefit of marriage having kids. The ultimate purpose of marriage is for you to see who you are. To see how far you need to grow in Christ. Your spouse is not difficult. Your heart is difficult. It's your heart. It's not your spouse. It's your heart. You just don't want to be long-suffering for your spouse. You don't want to be patient towards your spouse. It's, it's not your spouse the problem. Cresting the problem, right? We, I'm the problem. You, you're the problem. We're the problem. When I say this, though, is that, I'm saying problem-wise, that God is showing us who we are. But in the midst of God showing us who we are, the benefit is this, we're still in the boundary. The boundary and the circle that God puts around us and to make us more like Jesus, your struggles in life doesn't mean you're not in the boundary. You're still in the boundaries, but your struggles in life is part of the boundaries. Again, those that might not even be married or those that might have a job that might just be difficult. God has given you what you need to show you that you're not kind. You're not considerate. That, that, that you want things your way. All those things are part of God using in your life to conform you to the image of, your son, of his son. So how do we know we're going to get there? How do we know we're going to fulfill this goal to look like Jesus? Because of predestination. God has already set us in a way 
and we'll make it there one day. So some of y'all looking like Creston, my life is a mess right now. There's no way that I'm going to be this. I'm going to look like Jesus. Yes, you will. Because God has already set you on the path to do such things, to look like Jesus. Kids in this room that say, hey, Pastor Creston, I don't understand all what you're talking about. Let me put it in your language, in Fortnite. Let me put it in Fortnite language. The, the battlers are in this circle. They're in a circle. I think I know about Fortnite. They're in this circle. And Fortnite you got this big circle, right? If they leave out of this circle and go into the storm, they will die. They will die. I said, I guess I know what I'm talking about. So the goal is to stay in the in the circle. So the storm won't kill you. And I didn't talk to the kids about this either, so I guess I'm on track. Now, it's people that will try to make it run, make it make it run outside the circle. They will try to shoot at you in Fortnite, and you run outside the circle, and you, you die, and you die in the storm again. But if you stay in the circle, they're going to be fighting in the circle, right? Even though you're in the circle, it's still fighting in the circle. It's going to be, you're going to be running from people, right? You're going to be trying to hurt people and whatever within a circle. People are going to be stealing your, 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 your medical kits and they're going to be stealing your things in the circle. There's going to be some, a lot of ruthless things happening within a circle. It's going to be hard within a circle. But your goal is within that circle in Fortnite is to survive and be the last one standing to meet the goal. But, but my mission, let me fix it to get the duck current. Is that true? I guess? Okay. So the whole goal is to stay within this circle to get the duck crown, to make the goal here. If you make the run into the storm, you're going to die. And what happened within this fortnight? The circle gets smaller and smaller and smaller. But to fulfill the goal, you have to stay within that boundary. You have to stay within the circle. Eventually the circle gets smaller, gets smaller and smaller. Then there's one person left or one team left. And that team that's left within the circle is the team that wins. Well, we know the Lord is not playing Fortnite with us. The Lord is not playing Fortnite with our lives. But what the Lord does, Lord does do with our lives keeps us in this circle. He keeps us in these boundaries. And while we're in these boundaries, it's like the Fortnite game, we're going to have testing and trials. We're going to have people that betray us. We're going to have people that leave us. People that say they're going to be our friend that's not going to be our friend anymore. We're going to have relationships that end. We're going to have all these things that happen while we're in this circle. But one thing about it, as we stay in that circle, we will be kept and we will be more than conquerors. That we will conquer. And the thing about the difference between Fortnite, Fortnite you're fighting for yourself. And you're trying to survive. You've got teammates and you're fighting together as teammates. Right? You're fighting together trying to win. But the thing about this life as believers we got somebody else that's fighting for us. Somebody that is stronger than us. 
Somebody that has already went before us and is going to keep us in these boundaries when we can't keep ourselves. Sometimes family is going to be hard to fight. Sometimes family is going to be so hard you're going to be full of tears and just say that, Lord, I don't know what to do. Lord, the trials is just so hard, I don't know where to turn. And the things are so difficult, and you can't fight no more. That's the difference between Fortnite and real life as a believer. Because when we can't fight anymore, our Lord goes before us and fight for us when we can't fight. And that's the benefit of being in those boundaries. Is that we stay in the boundary because the Lord keeps us in the boundaries. And the Lord fight our battles in the boundaries. But what happened is that we kind of fight, we fight, we fight. And we feel like we have to do it ourselves. Family, we all are limited. We're not God. If you can fight for yourself, if you can do it yourself, why do you even need a God? You need a God because you can't do it. You need a God because I can't do it. So we must trust him and not put things in our hands. Again, it's the spirit that God gives us. Again, the difference between Fortnite and what God is doing is that he would not let us leave the boundary. Fortnite, you can leave the boundary and go into the storm. God's not going to let us leave and go into the storm. He's going to keep us. While we're in the storm or not in the storm, he's going to keep us. He would not let anyone separate us from his love. He will keep us. He would not let anyone destroy our lives. He would keep us and take us to glory. He would not let us leave us to ourselves. He would keep us. God predestined us, lets us know he would keep us in his glorious bounty because Jesus wants more people to look like him. That's the God of our lives on this earth. To be like Jesus. So the hard things that happen in your life, it's part of the process. Many of y'all play football. How many of y'all play football? Raise your hand before. They have these things called what? Tour days or what you call them? Tour days. Yeah, tour days. You're training and training to keep with the process to reach the goal. And sometimes it'll be hard at times. But eventually, if you stick with the process, you'll be ready for the football season. In the same way. You stick with the process. Things going to be hard in your life. Don't believe all the Joe Austin and all the rest of them say, well, you come to Jesus, everything's going to be good. It's not true. You come to Jesus, Jesus is going to guarantee you be the one like him. And, my, and, and he might just give you some difficult things along the way. I think this person sums up the three things about predestination here. These three things. Listen to these three things. Predestination means our salvation is as secure and settled as the God who selected us. Let me say this again. Y'all want to write this down. Predestination means our salvation is as secure and settled as the God who selected us. Just like God secure, our salvation is secure. It's the second thing here. Predestination means our salvation is eternally grounded in a sovereign good God. Therefore, our suffering, our sorrows, Persecution and defeats are not an accident. It's not an accident what you're going through. It's not. Last thing, third thing here. Predestination should be humble us and make us thankful and not bitter and fearful or always spoiling, spoiling for debate. 
It should create humility in us. Look what we get from God. He keeps us when we can't keep ourselves. Two applications. As believers, we should continually remind ourselves that God has set a destiny out for us. He has set a boundary, uh, uh, boundaries around for us. That when things happen in our lives, it would not take predestination off course. But God will use events in our lives to further be used to help us trust him and, and, and destiny and our destiny for us to be more like him. There's no reason why you're church this morning. You're here this morning because this is part of those boundaries God has put in place. For you to hear this message, for you to be reminded over and over again that God is making you more like his son. The last thing I want to encourage you with, when time get hard, know that everything that you are facing is already part of God's plan. It's part of his big plan. No matter what you may be facing, it's part of his big plan. Satan may think he is throwing a God off, but God is using Satan, plots, and whatever he is trying to do for his own glory. Yeah, Satan, right? Satan has helped some co-workers be around us to gossip around us, to badmouth us, to get us off track. But what did God do? God allowed it to happen. Even though Satan meant for evil, right? Satan meant to use that for evil for us. God used that for good. God said, no, they need to be around somebody that treat them this way for them to see if they truly trust me. So everything that you think is bad in your life as a believer that Satan has been involved with, God has already turned around for good. And God is allowing whatever that thing you might think is bad, God is letting you see, do you trust me in that? Do you trust me in that? Don't worry about Satan willing well, Satan got, Satan got the power. Satan did this. Satan did this. We stopped talking about what Satan did. We said, no, God allowed this to happen. And let me ask this question. Why did God allow this to happen? What did God want me to see about him? Don't worry about Satan. God has redeemed every moment that Satan tried to use. God has already redeemed that to use it for good. So when Satan is using it for bad, God says, Satan, keep trying to create stuff. Keep creating Everything you try to do in my people's life, I'm going to turn around and make it good for them anyway. So keep trying, keep doing things. None of these things is going to work. And a Job is a testimony of that. Job lost his whole family. But Job still trusted the Lord. And the Lord, the Lord never left him. And at the end of Job's life, Job was blessed sevenfold. He was blessed sevenfold. And same as believers. We are blessed as well, sevenfold, as believers. God goes to play a place for us. And where he goes, we're going to be there with him one day. Amen. Amen. Let me pray for us.